Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. turn off the youtube <laughs> can you see me oh no i gotta do the gotta hold do on the start camera or start video i just had a like a uh, a thing over my camera hold on one second now my dogs are trying to help me figure this out <laughs> oh my god uh there it is sorry Let's don't see. you worry dude hey are we, are we recording this it's all recording, mate. You know me. Okay. It all uh, goes in. How you feeling? You just had your second shot. How you feeling? Yeah. I was laying in bed, but I'm going to go outside and have a smoke while we do this. Dude, I've just been watching you smoke all day, and I've I've kind of, I haven't fully stopped because I still have the occasional cigarette with a beer, but I haven't smoked in like over 20 days, and I was watching the Icarus line must die, <laughs> just looking at okay. you smoke throughout the whole film, like, oh, that looks so good, I could murder one of those right now. So, yeah, yeah. you, you continue to tease me, Joe. Yeah, that movie makes it hard, doesn't it? Any film in black and white, like coffee and cigarettes, obviously, they're smoking throughout the whole thing, because yeah, that's exactly what it's about, but anytime yeah. I see a black and white movie and someone smoking, just makes me want to get in on the action. Yeah, I feel you. I mean... I just see a bird outside and I want to smoke a cigarette. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anything's a trigger. Anything. Yeah. 
Okay. Right. Um, how are you feeling? Is it is it all right? I mean, it's better than last time. Hold on. Let me let me shut down all other windows. Sorry. It's all good, man. Got the sounds of Los Angeles going on in the background. Everywhere. Whoop! It's the sound of the police. Totally. Okay. There we go. It's nice to see some sunshine, though, man. Even if it is through the internet. <laughs> I mean, for you, for you, it's nice to see it. Mm -hmm. That's all. That's all I fucking see over here. Yeah. No seasons. No rain. No brown yeah. leaves. Do you get we autumn? Do you get that kind of change in the? the we do, but like, not like the East Coast or anywhere like that. Like, we kind of get a. There's certain parts of town, usually the parts of town with expensive zip codes, where they have like leaves that fall. Right, they've shipped them in, have they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They kind of like uh, manicured the streets, and then uh, in other parts of town, you know. It's just trash falling from the sky. You know what I mean? Whereabouts are you? Where do you? Not obviously exactly, so I don't want to blow up your spot, but roughly, where in LA are you right now? I live in a Beverly Hills mansion. There you go. Of course you do. Of course you do. Fucking <laughs> Mr. Hollywood, living mm -hmm. the dream. I live right on top of the Hollywood sign. Yeah. So the view's spectacular. <laughs> yeah, I can look down on all the people. <laughs> Literally and metaphorically. In every exactly. sense. Exactly. You know, and, and remember how I, I proved them all wrong. It's so good to see you, man. It's really good to see you. It's, it feels like it's been two lifetimes since we first connected. That's the only time we've hung out. It feels like we've, you know, More than we've, that. we've remained in touch. But yeah, that's the only time we've like spent time in each other's company. And I mean, I'd like to start the conversation there just with a bit of a reflection and a a throwback to that last podcast that we did because you know i meet so many people doing this as i'm sure you meet so many people doing what you do whether it's producing bands or you know the crazy fucking business of show that we're both on the periphery of and in um and it's so rare that from my point of view i'm speaking it's mm. so rare that i'll sit down and truly connect with someone in such a way that it just stays with me I mean, since that conversation, obviously I've been writing the book, so my head's been in that space a bit as well. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, you're never too far from my mind, and I mean that. And it, we had such a good talk, and I just felt like I found a kindred spirit that day. And I tell I, you what, man, I just listened to the the podcast that you did with Corey, and oh yeah. that kind of helped me get a bit of a deeper understanding of you and you know, where you're coming from, what you've been through. And it, I think, deepened my appreciation of, of who you are. And it made me realize, ah, that's, that's kind of why there's, there's that common ground that I felt that day there, I think. But yeah, it was, it was a beautiful talk, man. And I just wanted to start off by saying thank you for um, just an amazing conversation that early on in this podcast kind of helped me define what I wanted this show to be. But beyond that, it's just a personal connection that I'm grateful for and um yeah it's one that I cherish no matter how removed we might spend the majority of our lives there's a, there's yeah. a, there's love there dude likewise likewise you know uh you caught me at a super vulnerable time right then and there and like a, a big a big time of change you know um and I don't know for some reason we just got to talking and 
you know, we touch on a bunch of things that I don't think I had really talked to anybody about aside from like, you know, really uh family, you know? Um, but it, it was nice to kind of be able to like sort through some ideas in real time. And I, you know what, I don't really, you know, for me, if it helps other people to kind of hear someone else do that, then maybe it's worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The man after my own heart. Um, some people don't like going there on a public platform and I, I completely respect that. And you know, that's fair in every way. Um, but yeah, I'm of the same opinion that if you can work something out and let somebody perhaps that you you don't know, but whoever they are, wherever they may be, let them know that they're not alone and what they're going through. Um, yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Especially if it's if it's people that are like maybe uh, in tune with your artwork and stuff like that, you know, um, it maybe gives them a little insight into, you know, what what kind of like what kind of obstacles might be in between you and making the object that they appreciate, you know what I mean? Because sometimes it just seems like these things appear, you know? Um, and we, you know, what do, what do you think about like Picasso's sculptures when you're seeing them, you know, you, you're not thinking about what day he had usually, you know what I mean? Or whatever, you know, any sort of works of art that you kind of come across. It's like, I don't know. I always find it interesting to like, see what drove the pieces you know that that helps me in my work so you know maybe it helps other people too right yeah true insight true insight beyond just hey tell us about the record <laughs> yeah, yeah or tell <laughs> some is, crazy uh, story about whatever the fuck happened you know in that one club or whatever it's like <laughs> who cares about that shit yeah, and I want to say thanks for um, you know a allowing me to use those snippets and insights in the book as well. Um, yeah, man. And yeah, your parts in the book are some of my absolute favorites in there. And, it's great. Um, I've, I've 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 thumbed through it a few times over here. Plus, we have a mutual connection through Tyson. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It came out cool, didn't it? I'm really happy with it. And it came out cool. And Tyson's a great dude. You know, he's like he really takes some chances with with authors and just kind of uh seems to do what he likes a lot you know and uh you know those are the kinds of people i like to be around yeah they're rare in this in this game as you know as well since sure. we spoke as well man i've i've had both mark lanigan and keith morris on the show oh and you had mark yeah i had an amazing oh, cool. talk with mark i mean you know it was phone we didn't do zoom i didn't want to zoom with lanigan um yeah. Well, I was doing phone for like the first eight months of the pandemic thing. Um, and then just for my own, not sanity, because that's too you know, extreme a term, but for my own interest, I thought, let's switch it up and let's move to Zoom. Because I was happy doing phone for, you know, eight months or so. And then I thought, all right, if we're going to be in this thing for another eight months, let's switch it up just to keep it spicy for me. So I switched, yeah, yeah, to, I switched to Zoom in the, the first couple of weeks of January, but I did mark just before Christmas. Um, and yeah, we spoke a bit about you and about, you know, the project that you've been working on and, but that guy, man, what a fascinating, I mean, I read his book before talking to him. It isn't a fantastic book. I mean, just as a piece of literature, it's a, it's a great book, you know, it's it, like a Bukowski novel beyond it's yeah. not, it's not a musician's biography. It's a Bukowski novel. Yeah. You know, I, I don't really like rock books that much or really at all. I have some on the shelf because people always buy them for me for Christmas or something. You know, relatives are like, here's the Keith Richards book. It's like, I don't fucking care, man. But that one, 
I see. I don't know if it's because uh, we're, we're uh, close friends or what it is, but uh, it was the first book that I ever read that I was in tears on the last page, you know, and that's never happened to me before reading anything. I don't know. You know, I don't know if I didn't know him at all, if it would be the same thing. But I do know that the writing is uh, has weight and value. And um, even if you don't know anything about, you know, Mark's career, you can read that book and, and really, really get transported. Yeah. And he was he was telling me and I'm sure he's told you that Anthony Bourdain was a key figure in the yeah. creation of it. And, um, you know, he said he'd send him notes and get feedback. And and so you can sort of see, I mean, there's so much tragedy and pain in, and heartache in the book, which he just lays bare, man, like talking about being vulnerable. He yeah. he just peels back the layers and he bears his soul, doesn't he? Like it's not a kiss and tell kind of, as you say, bullshit rock book. That's like somebody fucking working it out for the whole world to read. And and he's not the hero of his story, which is also kind of unique. You know, he's not he's not an anti-hero. He's not the hero. He's just this guy that uh, you know, is involved in things that you know go from beautiful to unsavory and yeah it's just it's just a really cool perspective it's it's a it's a great it's a great read for anyone who's interested in just like decent books about the other side of life that one's fucking awesome and then keith's is very different his tone obviously is very different he's a very different character um for sure. but an equally interesting and engaging book and i had a, a brilliant time talking to both of them and through talking to both of them and then hearing this podcast you've done with Karay, you know, beginning to understand, ah, I can see the common thread and connections. And it seems to be like people who are fucking out of control in their <laughs> young, in their younger years. Right. And then with age and experience and trauma and pain, um, you put the brakes on a little bit, you slow down, you perhaps change. Well, you, de you don't, perhaps you definitely change your engagement with the world around you, with people around you. Um, yeah. there's a thread of commonality throughout all of it. And uh, yeah, man, it's been nice. So it's been sort of cool for me to further connect to you through, you know. Yeah, outside sources. Exactly that. So how have you been? What's been happening in the last four years in your life? Um, <laughs> Where wow. do we start? Wow. Yeah, I mean, after I left, we were at the Columbia, right? That's where we were hanging out. Yeah. Um, after I left, I came home. And I don't think it was very long after I came came home that me and my ex-wife decided to separate, you know, and divorce, which was a, kind of a long time coming, but it was hard for both of us because we were we were close friends way before we were ever together, and you know she was you know one of the closest people to me. So and you know when you have that sort of family connection with someone. It, it can uh, send mixed signals to your brain as far as, you know, are we supposed to cohabitate and all these things. So um, that happened and it was remotely untraumatic because we both kind of ended up on the same page and there wasn't, there wasn't too much, you know, nasty divorce shit. I mean, you hear all kinds of horror stories from people and we just kind of closed up shop and, I we both knew like we'll know each other in a couple of years, 
you know what I mean? And it was like, it's time to take a break. So that happened. Um, I went straight to work on new material when I got home and just blazed through, I don't know how many tracks. I think I started with like 50 instrumentals and put vocals on a majority of them and then whittled that down to 30 and then really kind of like honed those 30 into two collections of like 13. And um, so were you just throwing yourself into the work to, you know, not grieve the marriage because you're saying it maybe wasn't that dynamic, but slightly, you, slightly. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, definitely, definitely grieving, uh, you know, the failure of it all. You know what I mean? I mean, cause more, more of, I knew I wasn't going to lose her as a friend. Ultimately, I knew we wouldn't lose each other that way, but just the failure of something, you know, um, that you, you know, you, you try with the best skills you have to like make it work. But sometimes that's, you know, that's just too much of an uphill battle. So, you know, they're trying to work out some of that within, within the art was like, yeah, that was definitely on the table, you know, and then also just kind of uh, searching for something that wasn't uh, that wasn't, a, you know, already out there, you know, trying to make something I wanted to hear that like other people aren't doing. And that takes time, you know, that, that kind of shit takes time because you can do something different. You can do something that like sounds new, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to relate to who you are, you know, so finding myself in new sounds and trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, just evolve, you know? Um, but it's my favorite thing to do. So it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's like work is where I'm most comfortable. And, uh, anytime I need to, uh, escape from the realities of my existence, it, there it is, you know, it's staring me in the face. So I'll just jump on it. Like it's my, it's my life raft, you know? Yeah. I'm the same. We're the same in that way. You know, I think when this, to jump forward quickly but we'll come back when this pandemic hit i was just straight on the mics you know just recording yeah. many conversations with people all over the world as possible to try and remain connected and positive um it's funny man because like <laughs> row, row, row. how many dogs you got dude it sounds like you got a whole army back there too many hold on bye <laughs> bye <laughs> okay. that's it you're locking them in brilliant you're locking yourself out them in i've yeah. i've noticed and i'm sure you've noticed it as well but i've noticed over this last year you know and we were the species of humanity was this way before but everybody just fucking hates everybody at the moment don't they there's so much division and unrest and everybody's she said he said let's throw this person let's throw the everybody's just at each other online all day every day and so the more this year's evolved the more i've deplugged from all of that noise and negativity and just tried to reconnect with myself and my family and my friends and like my circle of people that i care about and want to be in touch with and around around the world and the rest of it i've kind of just dialed out you know i've tried to remain up to date with developments in the news just out of responsibility and stuff but aside from that basic minimum what I need to know knowledge to behave accordingly. Um, I'm out, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I would say for the first, like, I don't know, first nine months of it, I was glued in. I was plugged into the news because it, so much was happening, especially here, you know, with uh, of course. Um, the fires and the riots and 
everything. You know, it was all popping off at the same time. It's like everybody's supposed to stay indoors, but half of us are outside protesting. And it was it was a lot, you know, it was a lot to kind of like take in. And I mean, I'll be honest, I wasn't really involved in any of it. You know, I was kind of at home just trying to figure out, you know, what is the world going to look like in, in a year, you know, because I've never dealt with anything like this, like pretty much everyone else, you know. Um, but yeah, I've definitely slowed down on the news, like just because of like events that have happened in my life. And, uh, you know, I had to, I had to cut it out for my own mental health, you know. So like, yeah, I'll find out things from uh, my friends. But man, I have not watched the news in about four months at this point. Just nothing. I just yep. I, can't, I can't right now. And, you know, if something's worth knowing, I'm gonna find out about it. But it's I'm too sensitive for it right now. So I just I had to I had to turn it off. I'm the same. And unfortunately, I kind of rely on social media so much to promote this show and what I'm up to. So I have to be in that world. But that, you know, there's obviously mass media and then there's social media, right? And mm -hmm. the social media is fucking, I don't know whether it's even worse. I mean, it's probably not as manipulative, but it's definitely not. But it's pretty bad on there too, man. And it's it's very toxic. And it's all like, you know, people are playing morality games with each other and trying to outdo each other on the justice scale. And, you know, and then there's just like confusion and anger everywhere. And I get why a lot of people are angry and pissed off. I get it. You know, of course, we all are. Um, yeah. the whole, our lives have been taken away from us and, you know, we don't really know what to make of it all. But the more I see people moan about the situation and put that out into the world, the more I just retreat and just want to focus on positivity, you know, being productive, but also trying to like put out good stuff into the world and not add to the, you know, the negative noise. Yeah. Maybe try to balance it a little bit. I mean, honestly, social media is designed to divide. That's yeah. what, it, you know, um, I, you know, uh, modern relationships have taken on this, there's this extra lens that you see someone through at this point. Um, and, you know, there's people that the way they behave on social media, I, you know, I don't see them as those people or I didn't before I maybe like would key into how they, what their persona is on the internet or on social media. And, um, you know, you can like lose respect for somebody that you maybe thought you had a, a kinship with very mm -hmm. quickly because of things that they say, you know? And, um, I mean, I just really believe that it was designed to do that or it's designed itself to do that, to divide people, you know? And, um, I mean, divide and conquer is, you know, it's a real thing. So, you know, um, I, these days I use it as, probably similar to you. I, I use it as something to like uh, put art into the world because there is no shows, there is no galleries, you know? So this is a place where we can, you know, get things out. But beyond that, I don't really look at anything, you know? I don't look at Twitter and like, sometimes I feel guilty because it's like, man, maybe I'm supposed to engage with people because I'm putting shit out there and they engage with my stuff and like, Am I being selfish about this? But honestly, you know, I just have to, you know, I think everyone has to do whatever they have to do for their mental health. But, you know, I've, I've seen it destroy all kinds of relationships or put extra strain on relationships. Um, I don't see how social media could strengthen one. That's for sure. You know what I mean? I really, you know, I don't see how, I haven't seen that many positives, 
you know, as far as that goes. And I'm also old enough to remember a time before that. Yeah. And, um, it was a different thing, man. It was a different thing. You know, there were, I think that social media encourages people to maybe distrust the face value person that you see in front of you. You know what I mean? So like when I know somebody and I love somebody, whatever they give me, that's what I, I accept as them, you know? Um, and social media adds this cryptic layer of secrecy that you're, you know, um, it, it, it breeds insecurities within relationships, you know, because you, there's all these hidden conversations and they're just hidden by virtue of the fact that that's how it goes, you know? Um, and it wasn't always like this is what I'm saying. It wasn't always like this, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't all these tangential conversations that were happening at the same time that you can never really keep track of what you or your friends or your partner are saying at this point. It's just, it's impossible, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't even really know what I'm saying, but I just, no, dude, all of it is making so much sense. And for me, what I've learned this year, real life still exists. Obviously there's been restrictions put in place because there had to be, um, but real, real life does not exist on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook real life. You know, I guess we're on zoom right now, so we're technically in it, but this shit's real life conversation and human connection and going outdoors and actually interacting with people for real in the real world. That's real life. The internet's yeah. just like a sideshow. <laughs> oh, it's a sideshow. And you, and everyone just tweaks it. You know what I mean? They tweak whatever their uh, image is going to be so much that it is uh, it's a virtual reality experience, you know? So it's, it's just so easy to manipulate that way. You know, people that it's like, you don't look like that. You don't live like that. You don't talk like that. But this is this is the image that you manicure so that people can, um, you know, have some sort of affinity for you and that, you know, you can make yourself look more special than you are or whatever. You know, it, it, yeah, it's just it's fucking nasty, man. Amen to that. So after you throw yourself into the studio, after you separate from your your ex-wife uh, and you work your way through that project we're still three years ago right at this point um what happens next do you have to fucking find a new place to live and do all of that and yeah i moved into the studio because i had a studio in burbank um i moved into the studio lived there for a couple months i guess which How was, was that? it was nice you know it was actually cool i mean it wasn't like any sort of regular living situation. I just had a mattress in a giant live room and a projector on the floor. And it was nice because I got to experience a bunch of movies in a theater-like setting. Like I had the full PA set up and, you know, uh, maybe like a 17-foot projection on the wall of whatever I wanted to watch. So, you know, I've never seen Bad Lieutenant in a theater. Amazing. So for, yeah, for me, it was like uh, it was like going to school. You know, I was starting to be able to learn some things about filmmaking that you can't learn on a, you know, 26 inch TV or on your phone or whatever people watch shit on these days. I, I got to watch all kinds of films I had never seen before. And I was always on call to like work on record too. So pretty much flipping back and forth between films, enjoying myself, watching films, spending some time and uh, being able to dive into music in a real way at a moment's notice, you know? So 
it was kind of a uh, it was a productive time that way. You know, it was it was good that way, and kind of uh, you know sort of fell in love with somebody and started a new relationship, and you know, off to the races. Well. I get to do a lot of that stuff as well. Like, you know, that's work, right? And it's shown in your recent work because we'll get there in a moment as well. But some of the visuals you've been putting out in the last couple of years have been truly amazing. Um, you know, very Lynchian in places. Uh, you know, very, obviously I mentioned Jarmusch in relation to the movie, but that's a few years old now. But like, you know, New Rose, is it New Roses was one of the videos you did? Love Roses. New Cross was the other one. Love Roses, New Cross. Those two videos are amazing, man. And I know you have the production team that you do with Travis as well, right? American Primitive. Yeah, it's basically like it's basically like a art collective that we do. We focus on films most of the time, but you know he's been a photographer forever, you know. So you know he he he's got all all kinds of stuff he does on his own, and then Jacob Mendel, who's uh like the house resident DP editor, just all around like talent house. You know what I mean? And it's not just us, but we're, we've kind of been the curators of, of the, the crew. <laughs> Who's that bike gone past? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going inside. <laughs> all right. Nice. Getting loud. Okay. It'll, so- it'll sound better. Yeah. Sorry about that. They weren't, they weren't doing that shit when I showed up. It's all good, man. He's got to smoke, people. He's got to smoke. You got to enjoy. It. Do you not, do you not smoke indoors. You don't want to make your house smelly. Never. That's the rule. You know, it's nasty. Well, I guess when the weather's nice all year round and it's hot at night, you can smoke outdoors without. I mean, imagine doing that in the UK, freezing oh. your fucking ass off outside. But yeah, the, the videos you've been making look absolutely amazing, man. And the quarantine stuff we'll get to a little later on, but. You know, I love I love getting to do that as well. Like my work is listening to your records and, you know, reading Mark Lanigan's book. And that's what I do when I'm researching and preparing for these conversations. And to people who don't do this kind of stuff, it sounds like you're just having a DOS. Um, but, you know, that's it's by design that we've set up our lives so that our hobbies and our passions are our work. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like when it when it's time to get to work it's really just time for me to like get to play you know and man i'm so fortunate that i've been able to like pull it off this long i have no idea how you know it's not like i've had giant commercial success or anything like that but by the grace of god you know i i they keep allowing me to like make stuff you know so i i can't you know i'm just so fortunate to be able to do this shit well, and talented, man, and that 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 has to play a part in it, but maybe a little bit of luck as well. Um, and I mean, it seems like you have great people around you. What interested me, I'd like to go into this if you don't mind, or if you're up for it. What interested me when hearing um, your appearance on Karay's podcast was like, because when I met you, you were obviously, you know, you were grieving and, you know, you were going through what you were going through, but you just seemed so chilled and, you know, kind of wise and, and like just like a rad centered dude but i got the sense from that that like maybe that wasn't always the case <laughs> you, you mean like back in the day yeah yeah i mean I, you know it was, it was early life for me before i had found like art was a rough go 
you know i didn't have anything that sort of tethered me to the to the normal world because i was terrible in school you know and terrible because i just didn't understand the concept of it you know it just didn't really work for me and i you know i had trouble <laughs> relating to the world at large so up until i found painting which was like the first thing um i i had no real connection to like the outside world and no way to really relate to it you know um and then once i found music and was able to incorporate other people into it and like find a way to like you know uh collaborate with friends that really kind of it started to fix that problem for me and as soon as i got my teeth into that i knew um i knew that this was going to be the way that i could you know be some productive member of society because up until that point you know uh crime was looking like probably the best option for me you know it was like uh i could i could maybe be a criminal you know or on the opposite side maybe be like a soldier in the army or something i just you know i didn't have a plan um but even once i found that i gravitated to like-minded individuals really people that really were uh sort of like outcasts or had the same problems and that's like what the icarus line was you know was a group of people that um you know had no future you know not nobody had like parents in the industry or parents with money or anything like that so it was you know a bunch of no future fuck ups that like fell in love with like black flag and the stooges and sunron whatever else and uh, we kind of like you know we our band was an excuse to like have a gang you know and have like a group of people to like you know feel feel a little safer than we did on our own but all throughout that time yeah you know we never had like careerist sort of uh you know objectives it just it just didn't even occur to us you know so like all the things that happened for the band were usually despite where our head was at you know so you know we would get a record deal and it it always felt like some kind of a uh, dodge or or a scam you know like to all of us even though we, you know we were there to make art but the fact that somebody decided to co-sign what we were doing because it really just had no ambitions besides making the thing you know um it was always a hard thing to accept you know and where we all came from being an artist was like not a real job you know it wasn't something that people talk about like oh when you grow up you could uh you know be a painter be a singer write books that's just not something you know that was something for the other people that was something for like kids that were allowed to just you know point at something point at a a dream on the wall and their parents are like sure why not be a photographer you know what i mean it was like that that was not an option where we came from i mean my like biology teacher in ninth grade stood up in front of the class and told everyone i was going to be a gas station attendant you know what i mean so that was the reality that shit stays with you man as well doesn't it i don't care what anybody says like if you tell a kid that he's basically destined to be a fucking not a failure but just a fucking nobody that yeah. shit it either goes one or two ways right it either beats you down and you just give up on life and you're like yeah i guess that's my lot or it makes you go fuck you I'm going to prove you wrong and not out of ambition or a career drive, 
just out of I'm not going to be that fucking, you know, forgettable figure. I'm whatever I do, I'm going to make it count. Oh yeah, just for me. So much, so much of what I've done has been like fueled out of vengeance. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm the same, man. Yeah. It's embarrassing to admit it, but like so <laughs> much of yourself, right? Yeah, just to like prove them wrong. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. my whole life, people have loved to tell me who I am and what I'm gonna be. Yeah. You know, it's like they get a kick out of telling me, you know, what I am, and uh, it's been a driving force to actually show them who I am. You know what I mean? It's like, you can say whatever you want about me, go for it because it's not going to matter because I'm going to still be on my game. You know, I'm still going to be grinding, still going to be putting out essential shit. So like, whatever, say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. I feel you, man. Yeah. And that's empowering and inspiring and that that's fuel. Um, And what I loved hearing about was like the total fucking disregard, as you just mentioned there for, the corporate side of it you know because <clears throat> i meet not so much now because most of the people that i chat to for this show are people that have been through it yeah. you know, they're yeah. real and they're authentic and they're still in it because they love it whereas when i was starting out on kerrang radio most of the bands who i'd meet would be like the new up-and-coming bands you yeah. know because i was doing an evening show and it was all new music so i saw all the bands that were coming up through the ranks and all of them you could see like even the good bands and the people that were like good good people i was like man you just want to be like the band you want to be a band to get signed to go on the radio to play on the festivals and it that was the drive for like every single group that i met and it was so boring they want to be famous yep they want to you know what i mean that i mean if that's what's driving you you're living in the perfect time for it you don't even have to fucking start a band anymore <laughs> you could just pick up one of these and go yeah. live on Instagram, yeah. <laughs> Be an asshole that's the star of your own shitty world, you know? <laughs> kind of cool, because maybe it weeds out some of the motherfuckers that never should have been in the game in the first place. You know what I mean? And honestly, at this point, if if you want to do art in a real way, yeah, you're going to, you you probably have to just do it. You know, it has to be something that you have to do. You know, because otherwise, man, if you don't have other options, it's not it's not the best career choice or anything like that. You know, in 2020, not at all, not at all. I mean, there's no money in any of this shit. Is that it's like you have now you have to be in it for the love. Um, And that is the only reason. Otherwise, you're crazy. It's like if you want to be rich and famous now, go be a YouTuber. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or, you know, go date a YouTuber. Yeah, even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like one or the other, like go attach yourself to something and hope that some of that like gets on you. You know, I mean, I live in the fucking capital of that shit, mm-hmm. you know, but you still love it. Right. I mean, you to me watching all your videos, listening to all your music, you're such a product of your environment in the best way. And, it, you know, everything that you do showcases a different side to L.A that you don't really see in the movies. And, you know, there's a great example is that new TV show, Paradise City, right? I'm sure you've heard of that. If you haven't seen it, you probably haven't seen it, but yeah, but you know about it. So it's basically about the LA rock industry. Um, and it's got a bunch of real life rock stars in it. It's entertaining enough, but it's like, it shows the typical world, like that Californication side yeah. of it. 
right? Whereas all your music videos and the projects that you do, that's like, I don't want to go as far as to say the seedy underbelly because it's not quite that far, but it's somewhere in the middle, right, of the entertainment and the street. And it's yeah. this and, and the nightlife, really, like the, the witching hour kind of shit. Well, yeah, and, and a lot of it is like most of what I do focuses on interpersonal relationships, you know, one way or another, you know, and that in this city, that is not, it's, it's really not a focus, you know, it's like, there's a, a lot of people here have a lot of friends instead of a few good friends, you know, and it maybe pays off to be that way, you know, maybe that is the way to kind of like move forward and like step on people's necks and go up the ladder. But, you know, if you if you're not designed inside to be that way, um, it can be a painful trudge, you know, because, you know, kind of staying true to who you are and staying loyal to the people that are around you. Um, it's not it's not always designed for mobility upwards. You know, that kind of mentality is is definitely at least on a surface level, not rewarded, you know, it's, it, you're encouraged to kind of, uh, sort of burn through people and just keep trying to get closer to some moment that kicks you off so that people can, uh, you know, pay attention to you. That's not really that attractive to me, you know, and it never has been. And I'm just not comfortable in that setting, you know, so I like to show that you know there there is a another way to live life in this city you know there's another way to kind of uh, sort of have a tight-knit family a tight-knit crew and um do your own thing without you know without worrying about who's going to co-sign you you know like who gives a fuck well you just seem to have some amazing people that really have your back as well which is you know a testament to to you your talent and your character but like you know people like keith people like mark these guys who seem to like genuinely not in a fake way genuinely have your fucking back yeah i mean and i'm sure I, you have their back and everybody else that you're talking about as well totally and and you know i've i felt like when people have done that for me someone like mark who i've looked up to for years and you know even from a peripheral when we didn't know each other that well he had my back you know what I mean? And that left a really deep impression on me because he has no reason to like back someone like me. There's nothing to gain. You know, there's there's nothing in it for him. He just did it because, you know, he believed in what I was doing or whatever. Keith, same thing, you know. So I guess I guess to me, it's like hopefully I can return the favor, you know, to artists who might need that at some point or people who aren't artists at all. You know, what I mean, people who just need a loyal friend you know um well that's a dying thing in today's age as well isn't it and it's so important in this last year for me i've really reduced my friendship circles and i've weaned out you know not in like a conscious way of fuck this person fuck this person but i've just kind of been selective about who i've spent time nurturing my relationship with um because i only wanted to focus on you know the, the real friends because it's not like you're going out in groups and seeing loads of people right so it's a lot of one-on-one -on -one communication time so it's like well who do i want to speak to that's going to improve my day that i can improve theirs we can improve each other's lives by talking to each other being there for each other and you do find that less is more don't you 
For sure. I mean, if, if anything's true, like this time has definitely showed you who's loyal, you know, it's definitely tested loyalty and like what matters and kind of like brought that to the surface for a lot of people, you know, there's been so many sort of like a uh, relationship upheavals and, you know, I think that's just like across the board, um, you know, that's been happening throughout the pandemic. And uh, although it can be kind of uh upsetting i think it's a good thing to kind of weed out anybody or anything that you know weakens your existence you know i loved hearing that you and Corey used to date and clearly have history as well and oh, and, yeah. and yet you're still not only like very close friends but collaborators and there's clearly real mutual admiration and, and respect and love that flows both ways between you two which i kind of knew before um, but hearing that conversation on the podcast that they host, uh, her and Laura, and hearing you on there, I was like, wow, this is a whole like side to your past and, and history with her that I knew nothing about. Killer. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it took us years to get there, you know what I mean? Because we were both insane, you know, when we, when we were like living together. We were insane, you know what I mean? I was like just on drugs the entire time. You know, my band had basically imploded. Aaron had joined Nine Inch Nails and uh, I was kind of on my own for the first time in years, just trying to figure out how to move forward, you know? And um, with her, she had such a fucking weird story. You know, she was brought to LA by Trent Reznor, who was like sort of mentoring her, but it had to be weird because I don't think she ever really knew what that was about all the way. And um yeah, we got thrown into the mix together randomly and instantly hit it off. And then, you know, obviously neither one were re ready for like a real relationship at that point. But at the same time, you know, had such a deep connection that like we had to work on music together, even even through times where we didn't all all the way understand why we were doing this or getting along we were still kind of driven to collaborate and like keep going on that and through working on shit together figured out how to be family you know and there was a couple times where she really needed me and uh i made it a point to let her know that i would always be there you know and i would always like you know when she really needed me it's like i'm not going to be there every day i'm not going to like you know I'm not I'm not the the daily grind person but like when shit hits the fan if you need me I will be there and that's that's hopefully most of my close friends know that like no matter what like I will go bury the body in the desert with you you know like I'll help you dig the hole that's like who I want to be for people you know Yeah I met her uh in 2015 and she was with Wes at the time and um she seemed great and we've sort of loosely i mean we haven't really remained in touch what's funny is there's a picture from like years ago and it's when she was with wes and i was with my ex and there's a picture of the four of us together right at reading festival and now i believe that my ex is Corey's booking agent and it's just mad how life wow. works in that weird way um and you've made these series of amazing films with her uh, which i imagine is going to be like one feature yeah right? when you string them all together um yeah. th and that's kind of been your quarantine project quarantine anthems part four and part seven like lynchian nightmarish incredible love them uh how many are you doing is there nine 
No, we just took a break at nine. We're doing 20. Wow. Okay. Wicked. So we, we kind of, when we hit the halfway point, we, we decided to take a couple weeks off. Um, last weekend, we edited the front nine together as one piece, which I think we're going to drop this weekend, you know, just so that for anyone who's actually interested, they can watch it as one piece because we've been watching here, watching them here on Sundays as a group. We get together, uh, project them, you know, right before we drop the other one and they really run together well, you know, and it helps to kind of see where the arc of the story is headed and that it's all working. So, but by the end, yeah, it's going to be like a complete film, you know, some kind of strange musical or something, you know, I don't, I don't really know. It's like, you know, uh, I dig it. Do you? Cool. Yeah. Well, also Karay, right. You know, she's got a cool look and presence on stage. I've seen her perform a couple of times. She's amazing on stage, very captivating performer. But she can do the acting thing, man. Like, she's like a silent movie star. She looks amazing on camera. And, and she there's great chemistry between you two. Obviously, now I know why, because of all the history and the connection there. Um, yeah. And I know you can do the thing because I've seen the Icarus Line movie and, you know, I've seen you be amazing in that. So, but yeah, seeing her, like, total revelation. I think she's great. Better than me, man. Like, I'm, I'm in awe of, of the performances. I mean, we filmed one last night. And I don't want to get into it, but it was definitely something that I just had no idea if she could do it. You know what I mean? It's like it, it was asking a lot. It was an intimate sort of uh, cathartic performance that like, you know, it's there in my outline, in my script. Like, this is what happens. But she doesn't know what's going to happen. I haven't given anyone the script. Nobody knows what we're shooting. Even the day of, they really don't know. Because I don't wow. want to. Yeah, you just roll up Gonzo style. This is it. Let's get to work. Yeah, I don't want to load people up with like uh, anxieties and preconceived notions. I may have a shot list for myself. I have plenty of notes for myself, but I don't want to tell much to anyone else. I always feel like uh, my best direction is if I can say as little as possible and the thing I want to have happen still happens, then I'm doing my job, you know, because you're letting that person sort of uh, experience it and figure it out in real time. And that's how you sort of capture something you know um but she's yeah she's been amazing and honestly um i can't wait to maybe do something with dialogue there actually is a few scenes coming up that are more sort of traditional you know uh dialogue scenes that um i yeah i can't wait to see what happens you know that's what's so exciting about this project is that even though it's mapped out it keeps evolving as we're doing it and uh the characters are evolving and the relationship between me and her you know, in the in the story is uh, the chemistry's even developed throughout the project. You know, so it's yeah, it's been it's been awesome, man. It's like it's like being in a band. It's it's as close as I ever want to be to being in a band again. It's really like we're jamming, you know, live and kind of figuring it out and having like a sort of like moments of discovery that you would have in a band where it's like I don't know how the song ends let's just fucking do something you know like i'll follow you you know and uh it's just so exciting yeah i've it's it's saved my life honestly i was gonna i was gonna ask that like with with the world being in the state that it's been in has this project been your escape and your salvation well yeah i mean uh or part of it 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, uh, you know, I had a relationship implode like suddenly during quarantine in a way where there was zero closure and kind of just uh, a, a sort of scenario that, you know, I really had to kind of question everything I knew about the relationship. You know, at that moment, it was like, whoa, what kind of, you know, what kind of uh, storyline have I been feeding myself? How long were you together, man? Two and a half years, something like that, you know. Um, the fairly, this was the girl you were saying that you fell in love with after your wife. That's correct, you know. Um, and so after that happened, uh, you know, it kind of threw me in the, to the, the deep end of sort of like introspection and looking at myself and, you know, mm-hmm. Catholic school for so long. So like I have just like, you know, mountains of guilt. So I always kind of end up blaming myself no matter what. The situation is it's like uh if something bad happens i instantly start trying to figure out what i fucked up you know which isn't always a great thing you know because um it doesn't give you a sort of uh you know holistic view of situations at times you know if you're instantly focused on what they did wrong or what you did wrong it's hard to it's hard to map it out but throughout the process of doing the record, which I did really quickly and really fast and tried to uh, really just express, you know, it was almost like a journal that was happening in real time, but onto a record. That's all it is. You know, it's like a bunch of instrumentals. Uh, I'm singing shit off the top of the dome into the mic and then walking away. Um, once we kind of discovered that okay this might be worth sharing with people right now um it might like be able to live in this moment you know and maybe never again you know so it's like okay let's just like get this out um so has has filming these scenes been painful for you or cathartic or both um yeah both you know um because yeah, it's we, so raw and so real and so close to the bone, right? But, but then that's art, isn't it? That's true fucking art. That's as true as it gets right there. I think so. I think being vulnerable and expressing something uh, to me is something that's always been, you know, it's been something that has always turned me on as a fan, you know, and always been, you know, something that has also saved me through other people's work, you know? It's like, you know, a Bobby Womack record where he tells you his life story or something, you know, that all of a sudden it becomes your story too, you know? So those things are important, which is pretty much what motivated me to be able to like get through doing this thing. But it was, yeah, it's been cathartic and difficult, but um, I don't know, like doing it when we're doing it, it's fine. You know, having to sort of analyze it, edit it, and put it together and try to keep it from leaning too hard in any direction you know try to like grab from multiple perspectives at once you know that's that's difficult because then i have to like kind of like jump in inside myself and let go of some of my bullshit so that i can hopefully you know show things from you know the female character's perspective and then bounce back to my perspective and that tug of war as like a writer has been uh enriching but also yeah it can be devastating too it 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 can wear you down is all i'm saying 
does all your collaborative circle of friends know where you're coming from and and the the kind of emotions and the storyline which is informing this thing do they know where your head's at they're, they're my best friends yeah so they're right there with you they know everything you know what i mean they know they know everything so um i mean it's like the most beautiful shit you can ever imagine like your best friends are there to help you tell your story uh if they weren't there i couldn't do this not just because i wouldn't have anyone to do it with but like I would not have the strength to do this or, you know, feel confident enough to do this. But, you know, I have, you know, a handful of the best people that I know on the planet holding my hand through traumatic experiences, you know, and uh, we're trying to like create something beautiful out of it. You know, it's beautiful shit, man. It is. And I imagine they're getting and i don't mean this in a selfish or contrived way but i imagine they're getting something really positive and pure out of the experience as well because they're you know obviously helping you and supporting you but also you know they'll have had their own shit this year as well and and it's putting their energies and efforts into something that's positive and pure and not getting wrapped up and hung up in their own shit because we've all had it this year haven't we everybody's had their story we needed this project so bad. You know, we hadn't done anything. We hadn't filmed anything. We hadn't done much for, for the entire, like, you know, lockdown period or since COVID happened. Because everything that we, have, we had kind of prepared to release this year just didn't make any fucking sense anymore. It just didn't resonate with what was going on, you know? Did you and scrap a bunch of material then, did you? I don't know if it's scrapped, but there's two albums that are just on pause for now yeah Yeah, didn't make any sense and i you know it was like this is not what i have to say right now you know and nobody gives a fuck and like and i see other people dropping things that make no sense and it's just like geez this is embarrassing you know what i mean like i think it i think we had to like kick back for a second and sort of you know gauge gauge the temperature of ourselves and the world around us and figure out like is there, you know, why, why is it important that we do anything? You know, what, what about what we're doing is important? Is this going to like speak to the times? Is this going to help anybody? Is this going to help ourselves? And, you know, when quarantine kind of like blew up in my mind and was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. I mean, everybody just, no one even hesitated. We all just jumped on it. It was an excuse to make something beautiful shoot films and uh, spend time together, you know, and focus on something besides the outside world, you know. As you say, essential shit as well. And what's interesting is I am, well, I don't imagine, I know that a lot of bands had an album, right, ready to go for 2020. And then COVID hit, so they couldn't tour. So they delay the release of said album, right, thinking COVID will be done in a couple of months. And then they go, well, we need to get out on tour, but then we can't. Oh, but we made this record. I know we'll hold it for now. And you can see now bands dropping albums that have been done since like 2019 that, as you say, have nothing to do with the last year. It's just because shows are starting to be announced again. They're like, right, let's get the record out now. And you're like, I know records are expensive to make. I get that. And, you know, I get that it would be frustrating and saddening and financially 
bad news to just shelve a record like you've done but can you not just at least make a couple of new tunes that update it and like contribute something to the here and the now because that's what art is art isn't just oh an album is our fucking calling card to go out on the road and make some money like you should be saying something it's a conversation with the universe hopefully you know what i mean it's a conversation with with people you're you're communing through this sort of uh you know through works you know so yeah I, you know, if it is just like kind of commerce, I get it. You know, it's like if uh, Megan the Stallion or fucking Kodak need to drop tracks to like pay for their lifestyles and that's just what they do. And that's a different thing. You know what I mean? That's a different thing. And I get that. And that's still needed, I guess. You know, like it is. Yeah. Just it, pure escapist fucking bullshit entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That That's that's needed. We all need that. Um, but, you know, if your calling card is that, you know, you, you do want to kind of like throw something relevant into the world, then like, yeah, I think it should, I think good art will reflect the times you live in. If you don't, if your art is a pastiche of another time, it's not art to me. You know what I mean? That to me is, uh, it's like a weird tribute thing, you know, that the, you know, well, it's it, a pastiche and that's all it is yeah yeah you know and that's a lot of stuff i mean especially rock music these days you know? yeah like, well that's the field that i operate in and that's what i've seen a lot of you know because and then they'll come out with a press campaign what are you going to talk about how are you going to spin it like oh this album was written in 2019 we delayed it for two years and it's about shit that we felt two years ago how much fucking change do we all go through artists especially in two years with a global pandemic so it's yeah, like why should we fucking care about any of this bullshit you know yeah. what i mean that's just the weirdest thing to me is when you you see stuff put out by by acts or whatever and it's like you can tell they didn't even you know ask that question to themselves you know it's bizarre it's really bizarre but you know the thirst to be sort of recognized and get on with business as usual is so great that like it supersedes uh anything else you know what i mean and people i think want to be nostalgic for another time even before all this shit happened they just the now is painful you know the here and now is painful um so escaping that by you know looking to anything else golden age thinking you know, the future, the past, whatever, it's just, it's easy. You know what I mean? It's easy. It's already mapped out. It's already mapped out. You don't have to channel anything to do that. You know, you you, you can just do a facsimile. But uh, if you're actually, in, you know, if you're having a conversation with the moment you're in, then you have to channel things. And this, and I knew it was going to be like this, this is a hard time to let pass through your system. You know, if you're an artist, this is going to be a hard one to let pass through your system and see what comes out. It's like, uh, you know, there's, you know, you're going to look like a fucking cheese grater by the end of it. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to like what you see, but it's essential to see it, right? Exactly. You know, if you want to do yeah, work. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Um when you were operating in the, you know, the chaos machine that was the Icarus line, um, and then you're also circumnavigating those corporate rock seas. Yeah. That must have been a strange conundrum. Um, I'd love to hear some sort of stories from the front line of that because I love your whole attitude and approach towards work and the purity of it. But I also know that people might claim to be all about that within that world, but then they see it and it's too real and it's like, oh my God, this is too chaotic. We can't have this. Um, you were obviously invited into, you know, fairly big, well, not fairly big, huge tours and, you know, events and things like that. How did you guys really go over with the people that invited you in, but then perhaps, uh, you know, lived to regret it? I mean, we met a bunch of real ones. You did? Yeah, we met a, we met a bunch of real ones. And that's really always how it would happen, you know, because... Anyone that wasn't really anyone that was interested in the sort of sensationalism of the group, as far as like whatever sort of reputation had been propagated, you know, all that shit. None of them ever co-signed us. None of them ever gave us a shot. They would maybe invite us to uh, be an ornament, you know, in their circus for a second so that they could be like, oh, I know those guys, you know, and that was like as good as it got. But most of the time, the acts that kind of uh, embrace the group, there would be someone in in the band that like asked us to go on tour that was really down, you know, that was really, you know, like, let's put it this way. When we did, we did a giant stadium tour with A Perfect Circle, not really the greatest match ever for a band like us, you know what I mean? It is like good luck winning over 10 people a night, even though there's 10,000 people there, you know, and the majority of the tour was through the Bible Belt. So not only are you dealing with sort of like, a, I don't know what kind of fan that is, like a new metal-ish thing or whatever, you know, we didn't really appeal to that demographic. And to be honest, we didn't really appeal to anyone. I don't know. I don't know if we like 
had fans really but the old joke is like every person that came to an icarus line show came alone you know <laughs> like all these people who had nowhere else to go and had no friends would like come to our shows you know so like um on that tour it was i mean it was we hit their tour bus the first day on the tour you know what, what I mean? drove we, into it yeah we like scratched maynard's like three million dollar brand new bus you know it was like that was it it was like oh cool we're here you know and um the crowd was booing you know almost instantly we had a song called party the baby off and we're in the bible belt you know what i mean so like it was middle fingers and change you know just like you know um so it was for us we always kind of saw the audience as like uh an antagonistic you know relationship so it wasn't something foreign to us to like go up against a crowd you know and like mm -hmm. not we would have to uh drink their hatred you know and sort of process it as applause which is like kind of a fucked up thing to do but that's really where we were at and we were like at that from small clubs all the way to ten thousand people i don't get it but you know maynard who was you know pretty much the person i think who you know scooped us onto that tour would actually go on stage most nights and chastise the crowd for giving us a hard time and telling them like i brought these people out here you know i, I brought these artists out here because i love what they do and you disrespecting them is disrespecting me and you know these people look at him like he's a fucking god right you know i mean they like are fanatical about this dude you know if he was like hey why don't you chop your arm off they'd be like sure you know it's that kind of shit and uh you know that left a cool imp a deep impression on me you know because it was like even though this isn't our world per se um for someone to take take a stand like that and kind of like uh you know try to help with crowd control I thought it was a beautiful thing, you know. I thought it was it was really cool. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to like go on stage and do that. And he would invite you know members of our band to come up and play on songs and stuff like that. You know, just gracious shit that like no one really has to do. And I would say uh, a lot of the time, you know, we 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 would tour with like when we were on tour with bigger acts. You know, uh, it was because they really did, you know, see something special in what we were doing and were protective of it you know i mean there was a few times that that wasn't the case but more often than not uh the other artists were were protective of what we did because i think they also saw that it was you know it's a hard thing to do you know it was hard on ourselves to you know go up against crowds that weren't really primed to uh accept what we were doing it's like i don't think you know 99.5 percent of the people in those stadiums have ever heard of the stooges even you know what i mean yeah. black flag or anything you know so you know yeah <laughs> sounds like they've heard of the stooges <laughs> oh, yeah. they, definitely, they definitely have but yeah um i don't what know ha what happened on the cult tour then because that's in the movie you're sort of alluding to it was the cult tour cool or did their fans fucking well, I mean, I imagine the cult fans would have just had their minds blown by what you guys did. You know what? Um, 
the culture was a mixed bag. It actually depend by, depended by region. So like if we were, you know, playing, you know, a casino type area that seemed maybe more of a, you know, I don't know, square crowd, it would be tough. You know what I mean? It could be tough, but it was such a, yeah, it was so regional. It really was shitty enough. LA was the worst show. LA was the worst one. That's where we were rejected the hardest. Like that's the show I always kind of like cry about because we were playing the house of blues, which obviously isn't like some kind of home turf for us. You know, it's like house of blues, but you know, whatever we'll play anywhere in front of anyone. That was the whole thing. It was like, there's nobody for us to tour with really anyways. So if someone's gracious enough to kind of uh, take us under their wing, we'll go out there and, you know, we'll give it a go. Um, yeah, the, the hardest show was L.A. And before we even went on stage, people were yelling uh, racial slurs at the band. Like, while we were setting up, they started yelling shit at me, at Alvin. Um, and something about that just, like, broke my heart, you know, because here we are in our home city and... Uh, you know, should be a progressive, you know, venue, should be a progress, pro progressive spot. And, um, you know, people are yelling racial slurs at us. And it's reminding me of when I'm fucking 16, because that shit used to happen to us when we were little kids. I mean, we would play a show in Huntington Beach and there'd be like skinheads holding up a Nazi flag. I mean, these are, this is shit we, we dealt with when we were kids and we're little kids. And these are like grown men, you know, kind of threatening us because, the Icarus line was like a fucking Benetton ad. You know what I mean? Like it was, you know, the drummer's a black kid. Uh, the guitar player's a Filipino kid. The bass player's like Peruvian Mexican. Uh, you know, you got this Italian white dude on vocals, you know? So like all of a sudden we, we instantly don't look like any other bands from the scene. Most of the bands are like skinny white dudes. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're instantly the odd man out. Um, and then, you know, fast forward 20 years later and it's happening again, you know, in the House of Blues. And we've, you know, we've already, you know, it's been years of this shit. And um, yeah, that night, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think what happened. We started maybe playing a little bit of a song and I just saw the looks on their faces. I was just looking at all their faces and they looked like a bunch of fucking off-duty cops and dentists. You know what I mean? It was just like, what the fuck convention are we at right now? And um, I turned around and looked at the band and just was like, no, we're not playing music for these fucking people. Because they were already like this. We hadn't done anything. I hadn't sang a note. And uh, we just kind of freestyled the worst noise possible for 40 <laughs> For the full set time, yeah? The full set. And we just pretty much everyone kind of knew because we had done it before and it was kind of like the nuclear option. Everyone turns their amps all the way up, you know, uh, everything on 10 and just the whole, the whole game plan was like, if you play anything that sounds like music, you're fucking up. You know what I mean? That's really it when it gets to that moment. And that's my shit, man. That's my shit. We, yeah we just went we went for 45 minutes and 
I've never seen people hate so much. They were so they were acting like we were like sacrificing their children on stage. I mean, like ah, like screaming, like they wanted to kill me. Like this one guy, just like this and screaming "fuck you" for forty five minutes at me. And he's there with his wife, and she's trying to put his arm down because she's like, "You're someone's father. Don't do this." You know what I mean? Really fucked up and intense, and it didn't feel good. You know, uh, people throwing their dinner at me. I mean, I was covered in head to toe with like drink and food and spit and just filth by the end of the set, you know, and it it didn't feel good. You know what I mean? It, I, I lived 10 minutes away from that place, you know, so I'm basically at home being treated like a dog, you know, worse than a dog. Um, so at the end of end of the night you know uh i was trying to get out before the crowd kind of hit the streets because you know i'm not a big guy and like if i get cornered who knows you know so i'm going to the back give the valet guy my key and basically i'm trying to get him to pull the cadillac up so i can get the fuck out of there um and that guy in the front row ends up right there in front of me and starts poking his finger into my chest and he's like that's fucked up what you did tonight like telling me that i fucked up and that he basically started and he smells you know and he's drunk and i'm like oh man i might have to like fight this fucking psycho and i look down and he's got a sheriff's badge on his fucking belt he's a cop you know what i mean this guy that was just like screaming at me for 45 minutes is a cop pushes me into the corner and about 20 other similar individuals join in. And so there's a semicircle of people yelling in my face and basically like, okay, I'm about to get strung up here. Um, and yeah, I was, I was pretty scared to be honest. Cause it was like, yeah, this is, this isn't going to feel good. You know, this is going to be a tough one. And, uh, the Colts manager, Tom, jumped in front of me and just arms straight out yelled at them and pushed them all back and was like i'm protecting this artist get the fuck away you know and really just like became a human barrier long enough for me to get into my car and get the fuck out of there i'd never met tom before i didn't know him you know what i mean so again you know that was the kind of relationship where it was like I'm sure he wasn't stoked on how our set went, <laughs> but he had a respect for for the fact that we didn't back down or comply or pander to a bunch of people who were really fucking disrespectful, you know? That's real shit, man. And that's reassuring. And, you know, we've spoken about this before in the last chat that we had, but the rock community is a lot more conservative politically and socially and intellectually than it would like to admit. And that idea of being angry. Some of the most conservative. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. You know, no, like taking chances within that genre is like way frowned upon. Yeah. 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 You are the more uniformed you are the more you're rewarded. I mean, that's how it fucking is, really. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the idea of getting angry at somebody just for doing something a bit different. You know, if I was at that show, I would have been fucking in hysterics going, this is amazing, this is the best thing I've ever seen. That's kind of what, you weren't doing it in an abrasive way when you opened up for Lanigan, but it was so out of step with his stuff. Um, mm. And, and it, was, it was pure art. And I just remember watching that show when you opened for him in London at Coco. And I was just like, this is something else. This is different, this is fresh. But a lot of his crowd were just like jaw to the floor, flabbergasted and that was like a good response you know what i mean (laughs) yeah they were perfectly polite there was no negativity it was just confusion and bewilderment totally totally i mean but who who would you put me in front of well bowie if he was still around um yeah there's there's not many of the in the guitar world that i know i mean nine inch nails did you tour with them did you play shows with them no, they just stole band members from us. <laughs> I'd imagine that would have been a good fit, you know, with the solo stuff. Um, are you doing a record with Lanigan still? Is that still coming out with, with Rare Bird? What's the deal there? Yeah. Um, can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah we can talk yeah. about that. So basically the record has been in completion zone for a while. And I actually started mixing it and kind of preparing it for release. and. Um, Something felt like it was missing. I didn't really know what. And it's really, you know, I did all the music and Mark's doing all the singing, you know. And uh, that was kind of, in my mind, that was that was what we were going to do. And um, Dark Mark and Skeleton Joe, yeah? Yeah. And then like a month ago, I don't know why, I just sang on one of the songs. You know what I mean? And was like, I, you know, maybe, maybe I'll just sing on something. Because he had mentioned, like, you need to sing on this shit. And I'm like... Like, but in my mind, I'm like, no one wants to hear me, you know, like you're, you're, you got a great voice and like, I'd love to, my, my whole intention was, you know, shining, building a fucking cathedral for him to sing in, you know, that's the whole, yep. you know, here is like, I want to really shine a light on his voice. But what I didn't realize until like late in the game at the 11th hour is that like a lot of my favorite songs with Mark there's other people singing on the songs with him and it actually strengthens his voice. You know, it really like, uh, you know, comp- he's complimented with other singers and it almost brings out sort of like the dynamics in what he is. Yeah. Big time. I'd agree with that. You, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. some most memorable Lanigan songs, not all of them, but a lot of them have like other voices in there and it, it only like compliments what he does. And so, yeah, now I've started to like sing on all the tracks with him. And so that's kind of where it is right now. It's like in between quarantine and all this stuff, I'm, you know, finding the time to hopefully bring those tracks to the last, you know, the last step of like making it a beautiful thing. So it's on its way. And is Tyson putting it out? Is that what's happening? He is. He is. Yeah. Amazing. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. man, isn't that weird? Like a beautiful series of events from meeting you in, you know, the Hotel Columbia in London four years ago to right here and now. And yeah, you've got a record coming out on the same imprint as my book. Yeah, Wild. Life is fucking crazy, man. <laughs> Dude, it's been really nice catching up with you, man. Likewise. And you keeping good? You keeping well? Uh, yeah. I got the second shot today. So I have a feeling tomorrow I'm going to be in bed, you know, who knows? Maybe not. Maybe it won't be as bad 
as it has been for some people. But besides that, yeah, I'm, you know what, cooking food and, you know, trying to make good stuff. Well, keep doing what you do. And hopefully when the borders open, I don't know when that will be, but um, I'm well overdue a trip to LA and watching all your videos over the last few days, just to sort of immerse myself in your world just makes me miss that place so much. So I've said to Tyson, I'm like the next book, because I was going to put out the next book this Christmas. But I thought I said to him, and he's cool with it. He's like, yeah, because I I sort of suggested we wait till 2022. I do it around springtime. And then we can actually have like a proper release party, as was the plan for the first one. Um, So yeah, I'll hopefully if not before, I'll hopefully be out there in like March 2022, which obviously sounds like ages away now, but it'll be here before we know it. And we'll have to go out and I'm, have some food. And fuck yeah, man! I'm hoping I'll be there before that. Okay, great. That, I was so kind of adamant about uh, getting the vaccine. Is that there's so much, there's so many people and so much business I have to do over there, just as far as like connecting with people. And you know, I've been in the same spot for months now. You know, um, I'm gonna try to make it over there as soon as possible. Actually amazing all right well dude you keep me in the loop and uh yeah when you're here i'll take you out and show you around and i mean you've obviously spent loads of time in the uk but there'll be some spots you haven't seen and i'll have to show you the town get it let's do it man big love joe you're a beautiful man and um I'm, i'm grateful to know you and yeah and i look forward to hanging out and you know switching the microphones off for a change and uh just me and you did you still drink? Do you drink beer? Nah. Nah, I still, uh, I drink like three sips of wine because I buy it for people that come over, you know, because if I'm cooking dinner for people or whatever. So I'll kind of like, you know, I'll be the tester to make sure no one dies. But um, I was never a big drinker. I always loved pharmaceuticals way more, you know. Uh, <laughs> How are you with those now? Are you are you still doing those or not? All day. No. It's you know what? I'm too old for it now. You know what I mean? It's like uh I reached the saturation point. So I can't really like I don't know. It's it was it was an amazing feat that I could be on drugs for so long and not have a job and kind of go on, you know, three month tours and still figure that out. But at a certain point it becomes this like other job yeah. that you have to deal with. And, um, as soon as anything that gets in between me and work is a problem. And that's when it had to go. You know what I mean? It was like, this is a, uh, this is too much of a fucking, you know, this is a job. This is turning into a, a, a fucking full on job, you know, where it's exhausting, right? trying to get high all the time is exhausting it is it is especially if you're not really getting high at you know at a certain point you're not really getting high anymore you're just kind of maintaining so that you can uh, continue doing whatever you're you know whatever you're trying to do and um yeah i mean this is this is the last one right here you know what i mean this is like as soon as i can get rid of cigarettes i'll be uh I'll be the million dollar man. Well, don't get rid of him before you come over here. That's what we'll do then. We'll come out, come over here and we'll go out and drink coffee. I don't drink coffee, so I'll indulge in some coffee and cigarettes. Well, peppermint tea and cigarettes then. That's what we'll be doing. 
and oh, I'll, I'll get a whole box of camel and smoke them all with you. I can't wait. <laughs> Sounds good. Dude, you take care, man. Amazing seeing you. And, um, yeah, keep me in the loop. Let me know as soon as you know more, and I'll make sure I've got some time locked off and we'll hang out. It'll be great. Sounds good, man. Thank you, Joe. Good to see you. You too, buddy. But what the hell was your parents teaching? You let these bogus entertainers sleep with you. And I know it's bad to dwell on the past. But to me it's a bug, not a feature. Yeah, you know me. I was a different kind of creature. The one that put back the pieces. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 